Okay, our first panel today is Africa Digital Money and E-Commerce User Research Studies and Platforms. So we have three speakers and a moderator. Jessica is our moderator today. Jessica is a TED Fellow, um, founder of Mobile Bootcamp Kenya, co-founder of, of Accra Chick, and um, co-founder in iHub Research and director of partnerships in research. So Jessica, if you could come on up. and social networking available to thousands and millions of Africans on Binu's uh, data and network platform. Um, our next panelist is Joel Masharia, our very own iHerber. Give Joel a hand. Joel um, is uh, the former CEO of PesaTalk, which was a brand name here in Kenya, and now runs his own company called uh, Abacus, Africa Focus Money, and Business Data Research Service. Uh, Joel has a lot of uh, knowledge in the investor world. Uh, he has uh, had investors investing in his former company, PesaTalk, and he's all, he's all about numbers. He's basically the data cruncher, you need to ask Joel anything, he'll tell you, Joel, what do you think this uh, startup is uh, worth? What's its valuation? Man, this guy can think like the guy in numbers. He just like, uh, I don't know what goes on. He's like, you know how your eyes move? Yeah? So anyway, that's, that's Joel. So we have a really, really, really good panel here. And uh, each of them will have about uh, 10 to 15 minutes uh, to talk about the Africa digital money and e-commerce user uh, study research and platforms. But uh, they, they each have, sorry, they each have uh, very specific themes uh, they'll be speaking about. And we'll start off with uh, Leo. And you want to you wanna start? All right. So we'll start off uh, with Jeremy, uh, who will be talking about how the Binu platform facilitates Africa effective market research. So how to survey a large community of middle of the pyramid users quickly and easy. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy from Bainu. Give him a hand. Hello. Great. It's working. Uh, I'll just come stand over here so I can see you and see the slides. I'm not going to have anything as revolutionary to say as Pele said earlier, um, and I'm looking forward to finding out more about that later on. But uh, I just a quick... So kind of half of you, great. So just a quick explanation. Um, the presentation I'm doing now is specifically on the research that we did, but just a couple of minutes on Binu. Uh, we're a platform which has been optimized for feature phones and for low-end uh, Android phones. 
uh, where people can download an application and get near instant response to various internet content such as news, Facebook, Twitter, that kind of thing. I was doing a demonstration earlier and it, it, it is, you will see, even in Kenya, even on a basic phone, pretty impressive. But uh, what we've managed to do is build up a community of between three and three and a half million monthly active users. Uh, and we, uh, together with IHUB Research, with, with Leo M, um, did some research specifically for this conference. So I'm going to just give you a quick introduction to uh, our research and, and how it works. Okay, so I mentioned feature phones. We have a Java application, an Android application that works on feature phones. That's how our community connect with each other and, and with the internet. And that's what we call, um, um, if you look at the pyramid, the economic pyramid. Right, Banu, what do we do? Okay, so we, the features that we provide, high speed, very, very high speed, very, very light data. I know they're techies here, so I'll just give you some numbers. A typical mobile web page is about 50 kilobytes. And a typical binary web page ranges from about half a kilobyte to two and a half kilobytes. So very, very light on data and very, very fast. And we use other techniques as well to make sure that the experience is, is very quick. With the goal always of providing instant response even on uh, 2G networks and low-end phones. We also curate a lot of content. So, for example, if you go to the Bainu application and click on news, and if you're in Kenya, you'll get maybe 50 different Kenyan news websites uh, right there for you at your fingertips. We have a whole bunch of other content as well, books, uh, the normal kind of social networking stuff like Twitter and Facebook, and a whole heap of stuff uh, which has been provisioned for our platform. That's what the Buy New homepage looks like. You can see there's a bunch of different things on there. It kind of simulates an Android or, or iPhone um, look. And you can add and take away lots of applications from that. And you don't need to read all of that. Basically, our users love us. Uh, once people find us, uh, they use it and they, and they enjoy it, and it's a good experience. Right, what is our strategy? We put together some great content. We have the technology which delivers it very, very quickly. Uh, because the data is very, very light, it's cheap to use. And in fact, uh, Etisalat Nigeria offer Bainu for free on their network. So no data costs to use Bainu. Um, and we do work extensively with the mobile network operators and we white label for them. Uh, we also have our own e-commerce platform uh, where we can sell goods. And this is kind of really important when it comes to research. So we monetize our audience in three ways. One is through advertising, the other is through selling premium content like uh, airtime, uh, books, music, that kind of stuff. But uh, the biggest um, revenue stream for us is market research. So we work with big market research companies like uh, Cantor or Ipsos or Nielsen, people like that, to research, to do market research within our communities. So I'm sure you all know that, you're all here. Africa is the new frontier. That's all the growth that's happening is happening in Africa globally. I mean, that's a very broad generalization, but a lot of companies who have ignored Africa for many years are now looking very hard at Africa. So um, Africa is very, very important. And the key to accessing people in Africa, streaming books for those interested in the technology, not download. I see a lot of smiles, obviously a lot of Mills and Boone fans here. <laughs> it's mainly men who are smiling, I have to say. Um, and then airtime and music. We, uh, we partner with a company called Afrikori, who are African music specialists, and they have a, a reasonably wide range of music uh, across Africa 
Nothing from Kenya yet, unfortunately. Some licensing issues there. Uh, I won't go into this in too much detail, but we can break down the demographics. Uh, just very, very crudely, I can tell you that our panel reflects the users of mobile internet in Africa. So that is 80% uh, male, 80% urban. And Bob's the other one, Leo? 80% <laughs> something else. Um, oh, yeah, that's it, 18 to 35. Yeah, so that gives you kind of the very... That's, that's who we're talking to. So... It works well for some kinds of research and not so well for other kinds of research. Uh, we did a very big survey for the United Nations. We actually, this is old, we got, actually got 100,000 responses for them in about six weeks. It's still running, actually, so it keeps going, this, this particular survey. Uh, we were introduced to the United Nations by One, which is the uh, group, the advocacy group that Bono started, which you, you may know of. Uh, why did they come to us? Well, because mobile is hot. Mobile is the way to access people. SMS is too expensive. And try asking people 16 questions on SMS. It really doesn't work. IVR was too expensive and just too complicated if you're trying to go... Uh, uh, this was a global survey. So to try and do SMS or IVR globally was just about impossible. Uh, and what are they like real-time? As you do a survey on Bionew, you see the results coming in. So you might see... You know, within minutes of, of, of publishing the survey, you'll see five, six, seven people completed surveys. The other thing we did for the United Nations, which they really liked, is we got people to take a photograph of themselves. It was an optional thing. They took a photograph and uploaded that. And so the, the UN had a big uh, award ceremony thing, and they had this picture wall of all the people who... Um, and we got 7,000 pictures from that. So that was a good feature. If you use our, um, our tools... You get a, a self-service dashboard. You can go online. Anyone can do it here. Just go on. Uh, make sure you've got a credit card. That's the important bit. And uh, you can set up your survey. You can target it. You can uh, set your quotas by, by using your, dem your demographic criteria and get your results almost instantly. And, and Leo's going to tell you a little bit more about how she did it and, and how it worked and what happened. So these are examples of ads. We do full screen ads because there's not enough room on a mobile phone to do a banner ad. And well, we had about one month to do this study and I have to admit um, Bainu is really um, helpful to get fast responses to short surveys um, in a really short time. Um, so our focus really was on understanding e-commerce in Nairobi. However, um, given that we were able to use a tech tool to collect this data, we were able to collect data from Kampala and Dar es Salaam as well. Um, and we hope um, with future iterations of this study, we'd be able to um, move to other African countries. So um, why conduct this research? There's very little data on e-commerce, not just data, but general knowledge on e-commerce, specifically um, in Kenya and in Africa. And we feel that um, this kind of research is very useful for different startups entering the space, as well as established companies wanting to diversify their payment options to understand who are current consumers of e-commerce, who are the early adopters, what are the challenges they're face facing, what are the perceptions they have of the general e-commerce um, process. And so really understanding, not just from the 
startup point of view, uh, startups tend to be very biased based on what they want to do, but from the consumer point of view, your ultimate end market, your target user. And so um, we hope to continue doing this study um, and future iterations will definitely go beyond the region. So as Jeremy mentioned, we use Bainu and in about two weeks, we were able to collect 538 responses, which is really good. And that points to a response rate of 65% of people who actually came across the survey. So 65% of these people um, filled it in. And we, as we were designing this study, we didn't aim to pass more than 200 people. So that, and we hoped to supplement it with face-to-face -face interviews. So I think that was quite a success. Um, so we also conducted uh, in-depth interviews with uh, select e-commerce uh, platforms as well as startups. Um, some of them have been highlighted in Mbwana's um, landscape analysis of the space and um, they were able to give us more qualitative insights of the data we collected from Bainu and um, we've been conducting literature review as well as moving on around the policies and the macro environment that is affecting e-commerce from age between 18 to 25 and that greatly skewed the kind of responses we'd have hoped to obtain. However, um, we would like to supplement this kind of research potentially with a few face-to-face -face interviews just to make sure that um, we are getting the whole scope. Um, also, in future, Jeremy mentioned that they intend to have a field research application whereby um, once you have these kinds of data, you can actually target the people you need to survey uh, physically going out to the field and answering the survey yourself. Um, Bainu really works well with feature phones and I think most of your uh, subscribers are using feature phones. However, that also limits the kinds of questions we ask. We want to know more, we want to probe why. Why did you say you used a mobile phone to con uh, conduct this study? But we realize that if we keep on probing more in our survey, then it'll be difficult to get many complete responses so we had to limit the kind of questions we asked to actually just about seven and but it really gave us a good insight of the African or rather the East African um, view of e-commerce and um, my colleague Christine will probably talk more about the in-depth findings. Oh yeah so actually that was a response rate 92 percent male eight percent female uh, it was very disappointing but uh, <laughs> I think we were able to still get insights from this general population. Morning, everyone. My name is Christine, and I'm a researcher at IHUB. So I'll just go through, um, it's the same one. <laughs> I just go through um, the major findings from this survey, and later on, we can discuss more, and you can ask questions, um, better clarification if need be. Oh, I'm going backwards. All right, so the main goal of this survey was to understand who the consumers are, um, e-commerce consumers, what products they access, what progress are on these platforms, uh, what businesses are based on these platforms, and what channels they use to reach their consumers. And most importantly, um, or one of the most important points is what payment options exist. Um, so 
going back to the beginning, where did e-commerce start from? I think the main pioneers, at least from the businesses that we interviewed, came from the airline industry. And this made a lot of sense because you, I'm sure you all know that most airlines do store and pay. And then the very last one was you find the goods online and then you go to the shop and pay. I mean, the first one, I'd say buy online, pay online would be mobile, I mean, would be airtime, where you just, you're on your phone the whole time. Um, buy online, pay offline would be businesses such as uh, cakes.co.ke where you buy online and then eventually go to the store and pay for it as you pick it up. And find online and then go to the shop to, the shop to buy and pay will be maybe cars that you find online and then you go, you go agree on the price and pick it up from there. So those are the three major trends which leads to the question, what is e-commerce, especially in this context? Um, so... 40% of other respondents in East Africa, that's Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania, buy goods and services online or on platforms. So this was a really good one. I think it was 45% in Kenya, 42% in Tanzania, and 42% in Uganda. And this was from the major cities, the capital cities. So a really good surprising thing was airtime was by far the most popular good bought online. Um, and I think later on when we come to define what is e-commerce and what is digital payments, then we can better understand why that is. Um, and it's also followed by mobile phones, accessories, and electronics. So, and we, we thought that maybe it is because people do see mobile money as e-commerce. Maybe that is why airtime is the most popular. We were surprised not to find things like clothing or jewelry. <laughs> I was. But maybe because they're not enough women. <laughs> yeah. um, and we also wanted to find out where people, uh, which platforms people are using to access these goods and services. Um, and you can see that website applications were the places people bought mobile phone and accessories. Um, and it was, it was the, the most popular across all. Platforms. So this was also, I think, an issue with um, the survey tool that we used. There was no way to go back and verify, like, why would you say you bought airtime on the, and it on your television? So it, you know, some of the things didn't quite make sense. But I think um, we figured that people thought the website application and mobile is distrusting it a little bit more. Um, but you also find that even in cases where... Um, you offer these goods and services online, especially uh, one of the people I interviewed uh, from Mama Mike's, he said that people will just want to come to your store just to know it's there, just, just to make sure, and then they'll go back and do the transaction. And also, <laughs> even in air travel, they'll be like, yeah, I want to buy it, but I just, where, where are you located? And they will come and see you and then go back again and make the transaction. So Kenyans have this um, long process of deciding and trusting this new, new, so, uh, new uh, ways of making payments. Um, and of course, um, the most popular of, of all the businesses I interviewed, cash and mobile money were the most popular. But um, in airline transactions, credit cards were the most popular. And I think this is because it's, it is the traditional mode of payment in the airline industry and also because mobile money is, um, it has a limitation. You, there's a certain amount that you can go over. Um, also, um, credit card penetration is only 10%. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's 10%. And so uh, people haven't trusted credit cards that, bit, that much. Um, so 
challenges, most of the challenges faced by the consumers that we interviewed were um, difficulty in making these payments, um, difficulty in like the process itself, and also um, low, exp I mean, no, uh, disappointment in the goods that you get. Maybe what you see on the website or in your platform is not exactly what you got. So that, and that also ties in with the second issue of trust. So sometimes when that happens, then you've just lost that customer plus maybe five of their friends. Um, when it comes to businesses, their challenge were mostly the limitations with mobile money and also the high fees. As you know, like recently, I think the, the mobile money fees were raised due to taxes. And also, um, as one of the businesses I interviewed explained, with mobile money, you find yourself maybe leaving Let's say you're, you're buying a good and services on a website or on your phone, you have to leave that page or leave that site, go do your mobile money transaction and then come back, which is akin to you sending someone else outside. Like they say, this is your store. You send them down the, down the street, go make the payment and then come back and pay for it. And, you, you, uh, and during that process, you usually lose maybe a couple of customers. So uh, however much it's... Um, a lot of businesses are excited about it. It still has its limitations. Um, security challenge, and even with the challenges with credit card fraud, for example, when you look, we put it in context, it's much less in Kenya than it is around the world. Also because there are not that many transactions, so there's not that money to steal. But then, <laughs> so and making sure you, you put that into con context may encourage a lot of people to use these platforms. So um, that's it. Any questions? If not, you have to answer mine. <laughs> right. Thank you very much, uh, Leo and Christine. Uh, next, we have uh, Joel. Joel Mashare. Morning, everyone. Uh, don't be scared. It says business by the numbers, but I've tried to eliminate all the numbers that were in my presentation. Remarkably painful experience, but um, I'll make sure that we actually go through it very quickly. Um, just to give you an idea of what um, Abacus is, what, we, what we're building and what we've built so far is, is a service that allows us to aggregate information from different sources and make it easy for you sitting here to find the information that you want about Africa. Um, to illustrate, I know more about the New York Stock Exchange than I do about the Nairobi Stock Exchange. I work in finance. It's just easier for me to go to Google and find the information I need about an app, uh, the, you know, um, Apple stock than I can find about East African breweries or I can find about Safaricom. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of um, struggling to find this information, and particularly in a space such as mobile commerce or e-commerce, where we are, where we are pretty much at the forefront of inventing technology in some cases, inventing markets in other cases. It's, um, it's extremely difficult. So just to illustrate using the presenters that have come before me, um, Bainu allows you to collect the data or allows its users to collect data from different sources. I have research goes through that data and then makes a presentation to us. Now, once we leave, we'll probably want to reference that data. We'll probably want to reference a specific item that you took a note on your notepad on, but you might not be able to find. So you'll need to get the, the presentation, then go through it, and then get the, the exact data. What Abacus does is that we store this information, we make sure that we go through it, we identify what are the key um, pieces of information in that particular report, and we separate it. And we also pull from multiple other sources, so that it helps you get a broad, all-round picture of that particular description. So to, to some of the other sources that we're working with is quite a few people. 
Um, for those who haven't, Kilimo Salama, in my perspective, is, is a very um, innovative solution in a very, very archaic industry in, in, in Kenya. It, it works in insurance. And anybody knows from the get-go, the last thing you want to do is to be on an insurance salesman's phone book. They won't stop calling you to start with. And then once they sell you the insurance premium, when it comes to claiming, they won't answer your calls. The company will be like, um, you know, uh, yeah, uh, so, you know, you need to fill this out. And so what Sigenta did, or the Sigenta um, Foundation for Sustainable Agriculture, developed a solution that takes insurance from taking five steps when there's an incidence, from when it, it occurs and then having to communicate to the insurance company, the insurance company sends an assessor to come see, okay, this did actually happen. Or in the case of agriculture, it's if your crop fails, they need to send somebody out there who comes and confirms, okay, it failed, so yes. Why did it fail? It wasn't cut down, so the maize didn't, you know, he looks around, he sees, so it wasn't cut down. And that entire process, and made it possible using data and technology payments to build a solution that works instantaneously. I came across it because in Embu, which is about 200 kilometers from Nairobi, this actually works very well. What they do is that they have solar-powered weather stations based out there in these different places. And they have taken uh, MET data and agricultural production data over 30 years and worked out what happens when it rains above a certain level or below a certain level. And they've established that if it rains so much, anything above that, crop failure. If it rains so much, anything below that, crop failure. Now, if you were selling insurance, um, or if you are a farmer in that place, if you have crop failure, number one, you not only don't have anything to sell to feed your family, you don't even have anything to plant the next season, right? So it's too, you know, it's a two-step failure and it's, it's extremely um, expensive to the farmers. So what they did is that they decided to ensure the farmers, if there was crop failure, that they had something that would allow them to plant next season. So when you're buying seeds um, from your local um, retailer who sells you whatever seeds it is, maize seeds, beans, they add 5% on top of that and then they contribute 5%. And then that 10% of the value of the seeds that you have bought is sent to UAP via M-Pesa, and that ensures that particular. Uh, but the other thing that I also discovered quite recently is that um, women, or some people, have uh, detachable eyebrows. Because Rupu sent me an email telling me about permanent eyebrows. I'm almost 30 years old, I didn't know eyebrows were detachable, you know. So it's, it's, it's looking at it and thinking, they're sending this to completely their own people. And after I got this particular one and subscribed, I thought, this is a waste of my time. This is just, you know, it's just spamming me. I looked through all of them and I thought, I haven't actually seen anything from Rupu that makes sense to me. So why am I still on their mailing list? And so I went on Twitter. And just before I could tweet and ask about detachable eyebrows, I saw people asking, why is Rupu telling me about detachable, about permanent eyebrows? I thought, oh, wait. I looked at it, it's a guy, that's a guy, that's a guy, that's a guy. And I realized that they have the same problem across the board. They just sent pretty much the same emails to everybody. They, you'd expect for an you know, e-commerce website, they should be leading in terms of using data to make very precise sales. I should get something for cleaning my satchel because I carry a leather satchel. Now the biggest problem there is, is number one, 
They probably can't access that information about me because the only information they have is the information that I have provided to them. There's no other places that they can get this from or maybe unless they buy it from Facebook and so on. And these are some of the things that we're looking at. These are some of the situations that we're trying to help out and say, okay, fine. If you're building an e-commerce website, there's the data that you're producing, but sitting within a particular environment, how do you actually make your decisions based on what you are seeing from your internal data collection and versus what's going on in, in the rest of the world? Sorry. Next slide. So, okay. I guess technology, you know, fails on us a lot of times, which is unfortunate. I was actually supposed to be showcasing all this, but, um, you know, my developers, for people who've had the experience of working with a few developers, um, that we, we, didn't, we weren't able to complete this in time. Um, but, like, I was just to illustrate, um, Rupu have, I think, have passed up a massive opportunity to use data to, to actually do very good business. Now, for the businesses that are sitting here, what are some of the things that, you know, you probably would look out for, right? If you are the guys who, if, you know, when I look at it and I see, I want you to use Abacus, how do you use Abacus? What are the things that you will look out for in terms of using your data? And this is one of my favorite quotes. If you don't have any facts, we'll just use my opinion. How many people have heard of hippos? You've heard of hippos? I'm not talking, okay, yeah, it's pretty much the same big animal. But HIPPO, the highest paid person's opinion, tends to be what is accepted as the, as the decision. Now, with data and with information and with news and you know, with a context around which you can make your decisions, it allows you then to move away from using hippos to actually making, having a framework that you can use for making your decisions. And of course, if you want to use data in your business, if you want to use what we are building, if it's going to make sense for you, there are several things you'll have to, to keep in mind. The first of which is you're starting with the end in mind. Um, you should have mixed data, perfect. These guys buy in supermarkets? Yes, they do. What else, what else? So they decided this was the perfect place and they went and opened a supermarket. And they opened doors on the first day and people came in, you know, looked around and then walked out. Looked around, walked out. I kept wondering, our data shows that this place should be selling beyond belief. And so they hired a local Indian manager. And he came in and looked around and said, this, this won't work. So he started pulling all the shelves and turning things over and throwing rotten tomatoes in with the fresh tomatoes and then stepped back and then opened the doors again. And guys came in and they loved it. Why? Because the context of the data was that. In India, people want to feel that they got a bargain. So when I walk into a supermarket and find a fresh tomato sitting there waiting for me, I feel like it's ripping me off. That price must be ripping me off. So I want to see a rotten tomato and a fresh tomato. So when I pick that one, I'm like, I got a bargain, right? So this is context. So the data was telling one story, but it was, there was a context within which they had missed. Um, proactivity, not reactivity. Most people actually tend to wait until something happens, and then that's the time they're trying to figure out how does this work. Like I mentioned, 2006 is when I first read a SIGAP report that I can see happening today. At the point, um, about two years later, I worked in a company that would have been able to implement these things. It didn't do so. Five years later, this is 2008, it still hasn't implemented. And the market space, the market share is now getting crowded, it's getting people are coming in, and most of the people that are in this space, a lot of the Kenyan startups that are in this space, would actually not exist had this company begun to implement a lot of these things back in 2008. They had the necessary connections, they had the necessary infrastructure, 
They just didn't do it. So it, it comes about being proactive. And this was information that we were getting from SIGA based on what was happening in Latin America. Right? So you can see some of the things that allows you to start, you know, um, what we can provide you with is the ability to see way ahead by looking at what everybody else in the world is doing. Um, always be collecting data. You never know what you'll need. Your e-commerce guy, if you send out a motorbike guy, see what time he left, see how long it took him to get there, see you know how much he spent on fuel, see how many minutes he spent at the customer's um, house, if he collected that payment, how long did it take him to get back. That data, always be collecting data because you never know at what point or you'll never actually understand um, or you'll never know at what point that certain data sets will begin to show you, in, will be indicators of different things. Um, and of course, start now. If you haven't been collecting data, it's a little bit too late. You need to start now. Make sure that you're getting the data that you need, get it into the business. Start figuring out what is the data that you need, how do you need it, how are you going to collect it, how are you going to utilize it, how are you going to analyze it, and then maybe you can pop by Abacus check out what's available, and then compare that with what's happening in the rest of the world. So if it's taking you, if you're converting your emails at only 3%, and the rest of the world or industry, I mean companies in your industry are doing at 19, 20%, then you realize there's a problem. And that's what we help people do, and that's, those are the kinds of insights that we help people obtain. Next slide. Um, so what's on Abacus? Um, the Abacus platform is actually, so that's a screenshot of what we used as inspiration design. Um, I was hoping to present this today as you know as a showcase, but then unfortunately, like I mentioned, my developers weren't able to live on time. But we have the news and the insights that we are pulling from different sources. We have blogs, we have bloggers, we have Eric Hussman here, who's pretty much one of the leading thinkers in tech in Africa. Um, we go out, okay, yeah, uh, we go out and find this. Thank you very much, Joel. Did I tell you that he was a numbers guy? Saw that. Typical picture, trying to grab extra minutes. Anyway, I would like to invite Jeremy, uh, Leo, and uh, Joe uh, up here because we have a Q&A session for the next 10 minutes. Really insightful information uh, right there. So you can see uh, research work done on the e-commerce uh, landscape within East Africa. And then we have um, platforms like Bainu, which are available to the tech uh, developers, startups, to actually do really quick uh, market research. And all this fit in, in into uh, the platform Abacus, whereby you can get insights into that. Uh, so uh, I have a few questions for uh, Leo. What What is the key takeaway uh, of uh, the, the study. What can you tell uh, the people in this audience? What's the, what's, what's the next thing uh, in e-commerce? E Is it, do they need to tap into the mobile money, add value added services to uh, what's currently? I probably wouldn't answer that very directly and tell you this is the key takeaway. But um, just based on the trends we picked up, um, that confusion between if I'm buying airtime from M-Pesa directly through mobile money, is that e-commerce? I think um, just that distinction, trying to understand what e-commerce is and what are the definitions around it, is critical to be able to then, of course, point out the future trends. But I think, um, as my colleague mentioned, uh, that integration of um, this platform seamlessly would definitely be one of the things we would want to look at and um, would probably be also move um, towards 
um, solving this trust issue, uh, given that if you trust cash, you trust mobile money, then if you're trying to do online transactions, then if you provide that seamless facility for people with a who are already trusting a specific payment platform, then it will be very easy to um, really push e-commerce and particularly in the payment space. And I would actually be interested in seeing how Bitcoin would... If, they were, if people thought they were free and fair. And because the data comes in, uh, what happens? And when we had about 40 responses, I, I, you know, I got a feel for, for what people were saying. And we ended up with two and a half thousand responses in a week, and they didn't change. So, um, and I know th very big numbers, and Binary seems to do a very good kind of random selection of people. So, for just a hundred completed surveys, you'll get a really good feel, uh, given the skew that we've spoken about here. But there are ways to deal with that um, for for whether people want your app. If you're a developer and you want to build an application. To check it out, ask a few people, and ask, don't ask your mum and your, your, your best friend what they think, because they're going to tell you they love it. But this way you're asking complete strangers to give you their opinion of something, uh, and I, I think it's very valuable. Um, just a little more on... Uh, ...that sits on the Bino uh, platform. How do you really know that these are people uh, middle of the pyramid by device? Uh, yeah, by device. The, the, the fact that someone has got a phone that's able to access uh, the internet and they're prepared to pay for the data on that internet, that kind of places them very crudely in the, in the middle of, that, of the pyramid, yeah. Uh, and what are your plans for the next uh, three to five years? Uh, um, do you plan to grow this population? What are the demographics you're looking at? Are you planning to go BOP, bottom of the pyramid? Because I do uh, anticipate there are some developers who would want to tap into that market. Uh, okay, I'll start with the, the last question first. No, we're not planning on, on looking at the bottom of the pyramid until uh, the time where the bottom of the pyramid has data access because we are you need data to get uh, data access to get onto Binary, and I can't see that happening for quite some time. Um, and I'm sure people might disagree with me, but uh, you know, in my opinion, we're looking at 10, maybe 15 years before everybody has data connection. Um, I'd love to be proved wrong, but uh, that's kind of the model we're working on. Once people have got data connection, then yeah, sure, we can, we can talk to them. And in terms of demographics, uh, we are doing specific work looking for uh, content which is uh, particularly suitable to females, and we are working with uh, partners uh, in Cape Town who have uh, moderated communities which are have content which is especially attractive to women to build that, uh, the, the female part of our, our business in Kenya is actually not done in Kenya. Uh, to illustrate, I actually contribute to South African magazines. I don't write for Kenyan publications. Uh, one, because they pay a lot better, almost 10 times as much. Um, I'm a business person. Um, and so finding that information is, is one of the things that we, we, we are doing. And what we're doing is, um, previously we tried RSS and we ended up with uh, about 99.9% .9 of the content that came in, the floods of content that came in being irrelevant. So we've, we've switched to doing social discovery. And um, we use uh, specific people on Twitter who are within specific industries. Mbwana is one of the people that we track very closely. And we know that anything he tweets is likely to have significant relevance for people working in the tech industry in Kenya. And then based on that link, then we can now follow and, and then pass through 
uh, the content that comes from that source and see is it relevant. So one of, that's, how, one, that's one of the things that we're doing just by sending out keywords using Google Alerts and finding uh, you know, specific things and then we want to try out um, some very cool applications that we've come across that allow us to find specific content, um, not by sitting back and waiting for it to be pushed to us, but by um, going out and seeing the people that are actually producing it and how, how they speak and seeing who they follow and then identifying what's the content that these people are producing. Um, in terms of validity, some of it is implied by um, the sources that we get it from. Um, you know, a Bloomberg article based on how the, the Bloomberg principles of writing, you will understand that the data that's likely to be carried in that article will be significantly um, of higher quality than Kenyan Post, for instance. So we actually do rank and, and we try and validate data based on the sources that we have. I think one of the things that we have an advantage um, of a lot of people is the fact that we, we, we've already identified the sources. So we look at, at different sources and we say, um, Kenya National Bureau of Statistics has stated that this is the actual statistic uh, versus um, a blog that's saying this is the actual statistic. And I will take those two. Of course, we'll give um, um, priority in terms of, of what's valid to Kenya Bureau of Statistics over the blog, but we actually do try and find out what, what is within this information and what are they saying and how does it actually um, impact the, the validity of the information that KNBS might have. It's been one of the biggest problems we have with data. And um, the fact that a lot of this information, number one, is PDF, number two, you can't tell whether it's correct because you look at it and it just simply doesn't make sense. You look at the numbers and you're thinking that's not correct. And when you send it back, they tell you, oh, wait, yeah, that's wrong. This is the actual correct number. So of course now both numbers become questionable. And so we're trying as much as possible to find as many sources of the same sets of data as we can and then triangulate and see. Channels, and that will definitely include a huge chunk from um, diaspora. We have, we're also working with a, a mobile money expert. I don't know if you know Dr. Tonio Monza. He'll be here later on in the afternoon. And he has very close links with the CBK and we hope that we could get additional information beyond what is publicly available. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my name's John. I work at a payments uh, company in Dar es Salaam. And what I've seen is there's a serious problem with the, the demographics that we're collecting right now. But how do you um, sort of advise startups or entrepreneurs to avoid sort of the tail wags the dog problem where you have a very small set of data that's good, but is not necessarily um, insightful into the larger e-commerce, you know, the, the nature of the larger e-commerce uh, market, right? If I was following all, all your data, I'd set up a startup selling soccer jerseys and pictures of scantily clad women because that's 88% of the market. But um, that's clearly not the case. So how do we avoid going in that direction and addressing the larger market? It's, 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 a, it's a very um, good question because it's, it's one of the biggest problems that we are facing in terms of the data that we have. Um, number one, a lot of the information that we find people have written might actually be influenced more by um, perception than it is by actual reality. Uh, one of which, uh, just to illustrate, Kibera was considered to have over two million people up until 2009 when the census um, gave the official numbers 170,000. Um, then secondly, you find that, you know, so a lot of NGOs using popular and would say, you know, we have a target market, if, if we could use that, of two million people within Kibera, and it's, it's less than a tenth of that. So it's, it, it is a big problem, and it, it is um, one of the things that 
we're, we're trying to see how can we find as much data around different uh, around different perspectives. Um, yesterday, I watched a very um, insightful data presentation about the bottom of the pyramid. It's not as big as we actually thought it is. Um, number one, because what we use as the poverty line or as the mark of what is below is, is based on, on metrics that are not naturally African. So you find what we spend on, because on, um, you know, like the poverty line takes three things. It takes housing, it takes food, and it takes, I, I can't remember what the third one is. Communication isn't one of the largest expenses. While well, Jeremy and Joel mentioned that context really matters a lot, and again, and less than 30 is probably not significant, but once you start reaching 30 uh, data points, you start getting an understanding of the kind of insights you'd get from an, a larger data set. So I don't know if that contributes more to what you're thinking. All right, uh, that brings us uh, to the end of this session, uh, ladies and gentlemen. But a key takeaway we should think about is what's the future and potential for m-commerce? And uh, you can ask yourself uh, that question when you're networking. And please feel free to uh, liaise with Leo, Jeremy, and uh, Joel um, during the lunch hour. And if you want to know about the iHub, you can just talk to me. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Buana, uh, and Malaika, and Vivian uh, for inviting me as a moderator. Pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jessica.